What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Once again, thank you so very much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to like and share these online messages with your circle of influence, thank you so very much for doing that. We have people watching and listening from all over the place. Continue to do that. We hope that it's very helpful. If we could define the word ministry with another word, we would use the word help. We want to help people in their hearts, in their emotions, in their faith in their daily life. So thank you so very much for continuing to like and share these digital worship experiences. Also, for those of you that continue to worship with us online through giving and generosity, maybe meeting our new $10 challenge, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. You allow us to help more people, love more people, feed more people, teach more people, disciple more people, baptize more people, and love and serve more people. Thank you so very much for doing that. Also, the holidays are approaching. Thanksgiving is approaching. Christmas time is approaching. We have some very creative and amazing services live and in person planned for you. So for those of you that are still online, we cannot wait to see you back. Come see us in person, 930 or 1115. We would love to hug your neck, shake your hand and worship with you live and in person. Today we continue with our current series entitled Evening and Morning. And this series is about this. Whenever I have serious questions, serious concerns, serious doubts about my faith, about my relationship with God or even about how real God is or the reality of a relationship with Jesus, how do I deal with those doubts? How do I deal with those questions and concerns? But in reality, this series is really about this. It's just about a story, the story of God and your story. And this story is filled with hope. This story is filled with love, grace, compassion, significance, and purpose. The only thing that you and I really need to decide, and I've told you this over the past couple of weeks, is do we believe this story? And what does this story move us to do? What actions does this story lead us to take? And like I've told you over the past few weeks, there's all sorts of other stories out there that humans have told throughout the years to give our life meaning, to give our life significance, the glue that holds our tribes together. But what if none of those stories are really true? What if none of those stories are very accurate? And what if there's a better story out there? In this series, we're taking the story of Jesus and we're taking a shot at this better story of Jesus, a more accurate story of Jesus so we can apply it to our life. Now, let's be honest. We're among God's people today. We're having church. And if we can't be honest among God's people, if we can't be honest in the church about what we're going through, then we can't be honest at all. This should be the perfect place for you and I to get real about who we are, to get real about what we deal with, to get real about what we struggle with, with no fear of judgment because God is love. So again, let's be honest and notice this today. It's very natural and a common battle to have questions, doubts, fears over our faith in this big, amazing God that we cannot even see. If we would be honest today, it's a very natural thing for all of us to have questions and doubts about our big, amazing God that we cannot even see. It does not make you this awful person, and it doesn't make you this awful child of God because you go through a time of doubting or questioning or evaluating your faith or wondering if this is all real. That doesn't make you an awful person, and it doesn't make you an awful child of God. And have you ever doubted or questioned or struggled with your faith, with the reality of Jesus? 
Have you ever had questions and doubts about God or about the Bible, about Scripture? Or have you ever had doubts and questions about your own faith, about how authentic you really are, about your own sincerity, about how serious you are about following Jesus Christ? Questions, doubts, confusion over our faith in God and over our walk with Jesus many times can turn us into this emotional basket case. Many times questions and doubts about our faith in God or about Jesus can turn us into this basket case in our mind, in our heart, in our feelings, and this is why, notice this today, if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. Questions and doubts are never the enemy of our faith, but rather it's the brother and sisters of our faith. Questions and doubts are not the enemy of your faith, it's the siblings of your faith. For instance, it actually becomes a turning point in your life as a child of God when you go through a season of questioning and doubting and evaluating your faith because once you make it past all of that evaluation, once you hang in there through endurance and make it past all the questions and all the doubts, it becomes a turning point because now your faith gets bigger and it reaches a higher level. Whenever anyone who's serious about their faith goes through a time of doubting and questioning their faith after they faced it and after they've dealt with it usually their faith gets bigger and their faith gets stronger it's almost like the season of doubt creates this crisis of turning point that pushes you to get serious about your faith and it pushes you to come to this conclusion no matter what I'm going to keep fighting and hang in there until I figure this out and nail this down I remember going through a time in my life as a Christian of seriously doubting my faith and that phrase nailing this down was something that was stuck in my heart. I needed to seek God in such a serious way that I figured this out and I nailed this down. So something else I want you to keep in mind today is this and notice this today. Obviously, your doubts will decrease if you commit to growing your faith. If you have questions about your faith, if you have doubts about your faith and you want those doubts to decrease and you want those questions to decrease and go away and to get weaker instead of getting stronger in your life, Obviously, your questions and doubts will decrease if you commit to making your faith bigger and growing your faith. Now, this raises a few questions. How do I grow my faith? How do I make my faith stronger? How do I make my faith bigger? How do I take my faith to the next level? And what are the different things that God uses in my life to heal my faith? or to give me a bigger faith, or to grow my faith. Let me say that again. What are the different specific things that God uses in our life to either heal our faith or to make our faith grow and to make it bigger? Now, I'm sure most of us listening today have physical scars. I have several physical scars. I remember one time when I was a little kid, me and my friends, all we, we all packed up in my friend's mom's uh, Volkswagen. She was going to take us to see one of the new Star Trek movies. This was a long time ago, back in the 80s. And I was sitting all the way in the back with another one of our friends. And someone in front of my friend's mom slammed on their brakes. And so she had to slam on her brakes. And when she did, my head flew forward and it hit the, the window of the door and it cut my eye right here. And I still have that scar on my eye. I remember I had my appendix taken out several years ago and they had to go through surgery and go through my ribs. I still have that scar on my rib scars wounds the past the physical scars that we have they don't still hurt 
but they remind us of when we did hurt. The physical scars that we have right now doesn't mean that we're still wounded, but it reminds us of when we were wounded and what it took for us to heal from that wound and get past that wound. Scars remind us of our past pain, but they also remind us of the healing that we go through and what we need in our life to go through healing. Scars remind us of what caused the pain. Scars remind us of how that pain affected us. Scars remind us of how that pain changed us, but scars also remind us of everything that we went through so we could heal. Scars remind us of our pain and our healing. Well, doubts about our faith in God many times can work the same way. Questions and doubts and concerns and evaluation with your relationship with Jesus many times can work the same way as healing from physical scars because now we can look back on those scars of doubt and uncertainty about our faith and about our walk with God and we can see how God used that to bring us to a different level in our faith and to grow our faith and to make our faith bigger or to heal our faith. Just like physical scars from our past doesn't mean that we're still wounded today. Let me say that again. Just like physical scars from your past does not mean that you're still wounded today. In a similar way, we already pointed this out, going through seasons of doubts and questions about your faith or about how real Jesus is doesn't mean that you still have a weak faith today. It just means you went through something that was a crisis moment in your life, a turning point. God used that to heal your faith and to grow your faith. But very quickly today, I want to share with you a few different specific keys that God uses in our life to heal our hurting faith, number one, or to grow our faith or to give us faith or to make our faith bigger. But the key is this, we must do our part and apply these applications to our life and apply these keys to our life. If we don't put our faith into action, then the different specific things that God uses in our life to grow our faith or to heal our faith simply won't work. And so we have to put our faith into action. But first, I want to show you a faith story from the scripture. If you're still with me, Sam, so still with you. Notice how the story begins in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Then Pharaoh, that's the king of Egypt, Egypt had enslaved and oppressed the Jewish people. The Hebrews were slaves in Egypt at this time. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, their main oppressor. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. So this is how the story begins. The Hebrew people, the Jewish people are slaves in Egypt and Pharaoh is the king of Egypt. And the Egyptians see that the, the Israelites, they just keep reproducing and reproducing and their families just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the Pharaoh starts thinking, if we're not careful, they're going to outnumber us. They're going to raise up an army and defeat us. So I have a solution now, every Hebrew male baby boy that's born, I'm going to have them murdered and slaughtered and thrown into the river. So he gives that order. Now, could you imagine being a young Jewish, young Hebrew couple expecting their first baby? The fear that you would have, the questions that you would have, the doubts that you would have, the uncertainty that you would have. Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. But when she could no longer hide him, 
She got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby, that's baby Moses, in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. So now you have this young couple who's about to have a baby boy. His name is Moses. He's a Hebrew baby boy. And the mother of Moses does not want her baby boy to die. And so she's trying to think of a way, think of a way to save her baby boy. So now we meet the parents of Moses. The mother's pregnant. She has baby Moses. And so she tries, she's trying to figure out what can I do to trust God at the same time I don't want to lose my baby boy so she comes up with this idea to make a basket she waterproofs the basket she places her newborn baby boy Moses in the basket places him in the Nile River takes her hands off the basket floats the basket with baby Moses in the basket down the river and she just trusts the providence of God she's just trusting God she's taking her hands off the situation she's surrendering the outcome of the situation to God and God's grace and she's simply trusting in God. Exodus chapter 2 verse 6. When the princess opened it she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children she said. On this day as the mother of Moses places her baby boy Moses in the basket and floats him down the river eventually this basket with baby Moses in it comes across Pharaoh's daughter, the king of Egypt, his daughter. She's taking a bath in the Nile River. She finds baby Moses in a basket. She adopts baby Moses. And then she says, go find someone to be a nanny for this baby. I need someone to raise this baby. And so one of her servants finds the mother of baby Moses and says, will you be the nanny to baby Moses and raise this baby? So now baby Moses doesn't have to lose his life. He's not going to be slaughtered. Not only that, he's adopted by the king and the king's daughter being raised in the king Pharaoh's household and also being raised by his mother. He goes on to be a great and godly leader. What a basket case story. What a story that would just cause your emotions and your mind and your faith to have doubts and questions just to run wild. When it comes to our faith, having a strong faith, overcoming doubts, overcoming questions, overcoming fears about God. This story has taught me something crucial and this is what it is. And notice this today if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Sometimes you just have to make up your mind to take your hands off of a situation and trust God because the outcome is out of your control, but God is still working behind the scenes. And so because of that, we need to do this. Don't give up so easily. Give your faith a chance to see results and give God a chance to keep his promises and to work in your life. So again, let's go back to our question. And this is what the question is. Very practical, very real life. Notice this today. What are the different keys that God uses in our life if we apply it to either heal our faith or to grow our faith bigger? I think some of these keys are going to encourage you because these are very practical, very real life, very easy to understand, but at the same time, very spiritual. And God will use these keys in our life to make our faith bigger and to grow our faith and to get us past our doubts about our faith every single time. So let's jump into this. The first thing that God uses for practical things to heal our faith and grow our faith is this. Number one, it's the church. And this is why the church is so important to growing our faith and healing our faith. When we worship together, it's faith building. When we pray together, it's faith 
faith building. When we love together, it's faith building. When we feed together, it's faith building. When we serve together, it's faith building. When we shelter together, it's faith building. When we learn from God's word together, it's faith building. And when we build kind and gracious and real and authentic friendships with other people, other disciples of Jesus, other followers of Jesus that are showing up just to do the same thing, it is faith building. We need each other. We cannot do this on our own. I need you in my life to help my faith heal and grow. You need me in your life to help your faith heal and grow. And that's where the church comes in. And that's why we need the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Notice this verse today. And let us not neglect the meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Don't neglect getting plugged in with your local church. Don't neglect worshiping with other people, praying with other people, serving with other people, because God will use that to grow your faith every single time. So find a place that you love and trust. Get plugged in. Stay plugged in. It'll heal your faith or grow your faith bigger. The second thing that God uses in our life to heal our faith or grow our faith is this. And notice this today. It's turning point circumstances. Something happens to you. Something happens to you in this life, in your health, in your faith, in your finances, in your relationships, in your home. Something pivotal, something difficult, something challenging, something that produces a crisis, something exciting, something encouraging. Whatever it is, it was a turning point. It was a pivotal moment in your life that God used? How can my response to this circumstance, this is a question that we always need to ask, how can my response to this circumstance make my faith bigger? How can this response to my circumstance make my attitudes and my faith and my feelings and my reactions more like Jesus Christ? God will use those turning point circumstances in your life if you hold on to make your faith bigger or to heal your faith. The next thing is this, that God uses in our life to heal our faith or make it bigger is private disciplines. And this is what I mean. When you develop consistent, consistent habits and disciplines of seeking God through personal worship and personal prayer and personal meditation, personal worship, personal prayer and personal meditation. Anytime you do that, your faith just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I often get this question. So many people ask me this, Tony, I want to get closer to God. I want my faith to grow. I want my faith to heal. I want my faith to get bigger. I pray all the time. I try to worship all the time. But how do I read the Bible? How do I understand the scripture? Well, very quickly, I want to give you a few questions to ask every time you read a verse that kind of sticks out to you. And every time you ask these questions, it's like a filter to help you break down that verse and understand that verse and apply it to your life so God can speak to you through that verse. This is how we read the Bible. This is how we study the Bible. I want you to remember these questions to ask to filter these verses through because when you do ask these questions and answer these questions after you've read a verse or a few verses, it'll always put that verse in perspective to help you apply it to your life. And when you apply it to your life, it makes your faith bigger and it helps your faith heal and grow. So let me give you an example. Let's start off with a verse and let's break this verse down. This is the verse that we're going to use as an example. And then after we look at this verse, I'm going to ask these questions. Remember these questions because this will help you apply the Bible to your spirit so you can grow your faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Notice what it says. It's impossible to please God without faith. 
Anyone who wants to come to God, seek God, must believe that God exists and that God rewards those that seek him intensely. God rewards those who sincerely and diligently seek him. Now, here's a great set of questions to ask anytime you read a verse, if you want to know how to apply it to your life and make your faith bigger. The first question to ask is always this, and notice this, what are the major themes in this verse? Recognize that, remember that. What are the major themes in this verse? In this verse, it's faith, pleasing God, seeking God, and God rewarding you for seeking Him. Faith, seeking God, pleasing God, and God rewarding you for seeking Him. The next question to ask is this, in this verse, is there a command to obey? Sometimes there will be, sometimes there will not be, but in this case, we actually do find a command that God wants us to obey in this verse, and this is what it is. If we approach God, we must believe. This is the command in the verse that God wants us to obey. If you seek God, then you must believe. In God. The next question is this, is there an action to avoid? Sometimes in the verse there will be, sometimes in the verse there won't be, but in this case I would say yes, and the action or actions to avoid is living your life in a way that doesn't please God. If we believe in God, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we follow Jesus Christ, then we want to live a life that pleases God, and the action or actions to avoid is living a life that doesn't please God. The next question to ask about a verse that you read is this, is there an application to apply in this case I would also say yes and this is what it is anytime I choose my faith over my doubts I please God that's the action to apply choose my faith over my doubts the next question is this is there a promise to claim sometimes when you read a verse there will be sometimes there will not be in this case I would also say yes and this is what it is God rewards those God rewards those with notice this today if you're still with me so I'm still with you Peace, purpose, joy, hope, strength, resolve, durability, forgiveness, new life, and life change. God rewards those that seek Him in a very deep and personal and peaceful way. That's the promise to claim that if I obey this verse, if I seek God, if I obey this command of seeking God, drawing close to God, choosing my faith over my doubts, if I stay away from the actions that it's asking me to stay away from and that's living a life that doesn't please God, then there's a promise to claim and that God will reward me in a very deep and personal way with peace, purpose, hope, joy, strength, forgiveness. The next question is this. Is there something new about God? In this verse, I would actually say no. Sometimes when you read a verse, you learn something that you've never learned before about God. But in this verse, I can say there's nothing really new about God. We know that God wants us to please Him, and we know that God honors faith. But this is a great, guide, a great guide for you to ask every time you read a verse, and when you pass it through this filter, if you sincerely apply it to your life, it'll be one more thing that God uses in your life to help heal your faith and to help grow grow your faith. And then the last thing that God uses to heal our faith and grow our faith is this. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. It's personal ministry. It just does something amazing to your faith. When you serve and you commit God, you commit your heart to help others, to serve others, to love others, to share God's love with other people, to share Christ with others, to feed others, and on and on. And I'll tell you why. Because this is when you finally put your faith into action. And when you start to put your faith 
faith into action by loving on other people, serving other people, reaching out to other people and ministering to other people, then you start to see the results of your actions. And when you start to see the results of your actions and the results of your love, anytime you see the results of your faith, your faith gets bigger. James chapter one, verse 22. Notice this today. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. When you finally see the results of your love, your faith gets bigger. When you finally see the results of your belief and your faith, your faith gets bigger. When you finally see the results of your endurance, your perseverance, and your fight, your faith gets bigger. Faith without action is useless, lifeless, and dead. If you say that you believe, then take some steps, apply these keys to your life, and watch God heal your faith and watch God absolutely grow your faith. One of the greatest things that I've ever learned in this life that helped me draw close to God was putting my faith into action. Something that our leaders always talk about here is that we always feel so close to God when we feed. We always feel so close to God when we give. We always feel so close to God when we shelter and when we love and when we serve and when we minister with no strings attached. God will use these things in your life anytime you have doubts and questions to heal your faith and to make your faith bigger. Thank you so very much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. We absolutely love you. We cannot wait to see you back next week. Stay tuned for an amazing time of worship with the amazing Water's Edge Worship Team. We love you all.